Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Carolinas to the world via the World Wide Web. This is Redeeming Truth Radio, and this is your host for the next 30 minutes as we seek to take an expedition for truth. Yours truly, Pastor Brian Chilton. And we thank you for joining us uh, for today's podcast. If you'd like to call in, uh, we do have a number which you can call, 323-784-9617. And of course, we'll take your calls towards the end of the podcast So if you do have any questions or comments, uh, be sure to call in towards the end of the show. Uh, We'll look for your uh, telephone call, and we'll go into what we call overtime. Obviously, the live show will cover the uh, material that we're discussing today, and then as soon as that is over, uh, we'll handle any calls. Of course, if you miss that aspect of the live show, you can go back and listen to the recorded podcasts. Uh, that are available uh, for you absolutely for free at the conclusion of the recording. So again, if you have any questions, comments, be sure to call in. Again, the number is 323-784-9617. But of course, to call in live, you have to be listening to the live show, which is recorded every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Time, and that's 9 a.m. for our friends on the Pacific Coast. So, uh, a lot to go over today. We kind of have a uh, mishmash of uh, different things we want to discuss about. We really don't uh, we don't really have really a, a main theme, I guess you would say. We're really going to talk about two or three different things today. First and foremost, I do want to encourage you to go check out my website. 
over at pastorbrianchilton.wordpress.com. And on that note, I have some very exciting news uh, to tell you today, and that is that I have finally come up with a title for this website. Uh, this has been going by the tag name PastorBrianChilton.wordpress.com for a long time. I've been looking for a new name uh, for this site. Of course, you know there are many people who have many apologists, many theologians who have a name for their site. Uh, for instance, I think of Nick Peters. He has the Deeper Waters podcast. My um, good friend, Dr. Mike Spalding, he has Soaring Eagle Radio and the Soaring Eagle podcast, the Soaring Eagle uh, blog that he also runs as well. Uh, Frank Turek has cross-examined. Of course, Dr. William Lane Craig has Reasonable Faith. And um, so I was looking for a name. I thought about going with Redeeming Truth for it, but it just really didn't seem to fit the website. But I do have a new name, and it is newly lame, named, new, newly named, <laughs> let me get this out right, newly named, newly crowned today, uh, the website will now be known as Bellator Christi. Uh, Bellator Christi is the Latin term or the Latin phrase for Christian warrior or warrior for Christ in Latin. So... Um, Bellator Christi means Christian warrior or warrior for Christ or of Christ in Latin. And so that's the new name because this website, of course, as this as is this uh, podcast, is built upon the premise that the truth is knowable and the truth is defendable. So as we talk about being a Christian warrior, we're not talking about really calling to arms and arming, you know, and going into war physically. But it's based upon the whole principle that Paul says that we're in a war of spiritual dimensions. Uh, we're fighting against uh, in a spiritual warfare against principalities and powers, against the spiritual realm. We're not fighting people individually, uh, we're, but we're fighting uh, ideas, standing for the truth, uh, defending the truth, and that's what the uh, website is all about. In fact, that's what this uh, podcast is all about. Now, you may ask, uh, will there be a name change for the podcast? Right now, I don't know. Uh, right now, I'm still uh, thinking about it, praying about it, and seeing how it's going to go. If we do change it, it would have the same name, Bill of Tor Christie Podcast, or, or we may leave it as Redeeming Truth Radio. I don't know. I'm going to be praying about this and uh, seeing how the Lord leads, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of investigate as time goes on uh, what uh, what I need to do in that aspect. So anyhow, the website, and it can still be found at pastorbrianchilton.wordpress.com, but I am looking at incorporating a, an additional domain name which would reflect the new title, but I'll give you more information on that as time goes on. Uh, I've got to do more investigation on how to do that or, and what it needs to be done in order to do that. So I'll give you more information as we go along. But again, go check out the website, newly named Bellator Christi, uh, which was newly crowned today. So also, as we move ahead in the uh, podcast today, I want to also say that uh, my prayers are truly with um, and joining alongside with many across the world, uh, are joining the, for um, those who have uh, been afflicted by the shootings in Paris, France, also in Lebanon. 
so want to be much in prayer for for those individuals and uh, pray God's blessings be upon them. So you know, obviously, we want to you know pray for those individuals and pray God's blessings uh, uh, for them. And and I can't even imagine what they're going through. And so uh, certainly want to remember them. And in that regard, it brings me to a comment that uh, one of my friends on Facebook said. He said that uh, Chris Van Osburg is his name, and he said that he is getting so tired of all the violence. And I agree with him 100%. You know, everywhere you turn, it seems like that the world is getting more and more violent. Uh, But, you know, really this shouldn't surprise us. It's been said before and um, maybe beat into the ground, but it's so true that that the more we go along in life, the, the longer time goes on, the worse things are going to become. You know, Jesus tells us this. He says, as were the days of Noah, so will be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And what that essentially says is that when Christ gets ready to return, the whole moral atmosphere of the world in general will becoming will become more and more depraved. So that's something that we can expect. Um, you know, I, I hear views that says that the the like post uh, millennialism and uh, that says that uh, the the world is going to get better. I mean, that's just not what it appears to be, and that just goes against what we see. Now, our millennialism, you know, I can go along with that, I mean, because it has the idea that, uh, you know, that we're going through the time of tribulation already, but I'm really more of a pre-millennialist as it goes, and I, and I think it just fits the facts, biblically, and also by what we see in the world, that the world is getting worse. Now, you know, in some ways, you could say that things have gotten better because of technology and things of that nature. But that's not the that's not the gauge by which we measure. We measure by the morality that people hold. And unless you're just you're just accepting of immoral behaviors, which I think shows an immoral mindset in a person, then um, then you're going to agree that things are getting worse and worse as time goes on. But I preached a message, I delivered a message just yesterday on this issue as we are talking about Thanksgiving. This Thursday will be Thanksgiving, and it doesn't even seem like it should be already, but it will be. Uh, And I, I delivered a message entitled, Counting Your Blessings, Counting Your Divine Blessings in the Midst of human misery. And basically had three points. I'll probably upload the message, but I want to discuss it a little bit right now. Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 21, Joseph says to the, his brothers, the brothers who had harmed him, he said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? He says, But as for you, you meant evil against me. They threw him down a well, they sold him into slavery. He says, so you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now, this underlying idea is what got Joseph through the difficult times of his life, understanding that despite the fact that there is human freedom, despite the fact that people do make bad decisions, God is still in control. 
And I brought up three points. First of all, that we're blessed by divine grace. And simply put, God is the lover who is pursuing the beloved who is us. He is pursuing the beloved to save us from ourselves and to deliver us unto himself because he is ultimate love and ultimate good. He, he, is, he is the ultimate essence of what goodness is all about because he is the ultimate good. So, But he, in order to have ultimate love, you must have the ability to, for someone to respond. Some people call this free will, and I know there are limitations on how much will a person has, as I noted, uh, you know, you can't, um, you don't have the will to decide where you're going to be born or who your parents are. Uh, you don't have a lot of um, say in the genetics that you have, and you don't have a lot of say to the things that happen to you in life. However, you do have the response how you're going to respond to such things. And so for love to be ultimate, it must be reciprocal in relation in nature, meaning that God bestows His grace upon us and that we respond to that in turn. So we're blessed by experiencing the grace of God. And despite the fact that there is evil, the allowance of evil lets us know that uh, God has a better purpose in, in allowing us to respond to His grace, to respond to His love, uh, because He has given individuals the opportunity to have this form of freedom, regardless however limited or uh, non-limited you say it is, or no matter how free or how limited you think it may be, God has given us the ability to know love because He's given us the ability to know Him. Now, that doesn't mean that we can know Him on our own accord uh, because we are depraved individuals and we can't save ourselves. And that's not what that means. It just simply means that as God bestows grace upon us, I like how Thomas Aquinas puts this, God bestows grace to us, some people will respond in repentance and obedience, uh, responding to the grace of God. Some people will respond uh, in uh, rebellion. Now, God knows... How it's going to happen, uh, because God knows the individual. It's not because, not just that He foreknows what a person's going to do. He foreknows the individual, and that makes all the difference in the world. We're also blessed by divine, divine sovereignty, and this simply means that uh, God knows how we're going to respond. He knows how we're going to act, because He knows all there is to know. And despite the evil that's in the world, we must understand this aspect that God is still behind the scenes and He is going to ultimately bring something good in the end. That's the only hope that we have, beloved. That's the only hope that we have in this life. And that's what I don't understand about atheists who want to argue that the evil of the world dismiss the ontology, the ontological belief in God's existence. I mean, what type of world would this be if there was not a supreme governing judge over the world? That would simply mean that all the depravity, all the uh, egregious acts that are taking place all over the world will not be held accountable. Just tough luck. Too bad, so sad, you would say to an individual, the atheist would. 
so so what is there left? So so what's the even the point in doing good or being good in an atheist mindset? There is no standard, and in fact, those who are truly, uh, I mean, one thing about Bill Maher, I don't agree with Bill Maher whatsoever, but Bill Maher is a consistent atheist, and you have to respect him for that, because he has even, I mean, half-jokingly, he's even said that he's pro-death. Now, the one thing you can admit is that that is a consistent worldview when it comes to atheism. But if you are a Christian, and if you believe that all lives have a purpose, all lives matter, then you understand that you should be pro-life. Not just pro-life as it uh, comes to abortion, but pro-life as it, as it is uh, related to each and every person. Now, obviously, we understand that there is justice and judgment that has to take place in, in the government against those who break the law, and, and we understand that completely. But at the same time, we understand that every life matters. It's not just black lives, not just white lives, not just police lives. All lives, in fact, matter. And we come to that conclusion. But we also understand the fact that God is in the background working things out for the good of those who love Christ Jesus and are called according to His purpose. We read in Proverbs 15.3 that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God knows what's going on. He even knows better than we do. Far better than we do. And then finally, we uh, I just brought the point out that we're blessed by divine purpose. And that just simply means that God has a purpose. He is going to bring about the ultimate good. In the end, the great blessing is God wins, good wins, evil is defeated, Christ will reign supreme, and that's something worth giving thanks this Thanksgiving holiday. So let me uh, also just say, uh, as we move forward, talking about how atheism just simply doesn't work. Uh, there's another way that we see that atheism doesn't work. And I want to say something real quickly as we move into this, because we're challenging human presuppositions. And that may sound complicated, but we're just talking about the philosophy, the presuppositions of one David Hume and his cohort, um, Anthony Flew, although Anthony Flew uh, did become a theist by the time, uh, by the end of his life. I am uh, taking a course in apologetics, one of the two final courses I have at Liberty University before completing my master's degree. And I want to just say something uh, on the outset. If you're looking for a good university, I highly recommend Liberty University. I want to tell you, it's a tough program. It's a very tough program. They don't give grades away. You've got to work for it. Every class, I've had to truly work for it, uh, work for the grade that I've received. So I'm just telling you, it's a tough road, but I guarantee you, you are going to learn a lot at Liberty University. So I highly recommend Liberty University. Uh, for And they have offer, I think, over 150 degrees, maybe many more than that. Uh, so uh, they offer you know degrees, criminal justice, medical field, law degrees, obviously degrees in uh, seminary as well. So highly recommend the university if you're looking for a good Christian university. And let me just also give a little spot here 
to one of my former professors, uh, Chad Thornhill. I just have received this in the mail, uh, and after my coursework is done, I plan on digging into this resource. It should be a good one. Uh, Chad Thornhill has written a book called The Chosen People, Election Paul and Second Temple Judaism. Uh, this is, my understanding, the number one book on Amazon in New Testament studies as it relates to Paul. So I uh, highly recommend you get, get this copy of his book, The Chosen People. And so, um, great resource. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it comes highly recommended by Bid Witherington III of Asbury Theological Seminary, John Hellerman of Talbot School of Theology, and uh, Don Garlickton, author of The Obedience of Faith. I had uh, Chad Thornhill. He was a professor of uh, New Testament Greek and a fantastic professor at that. So uh, just give a spot to him there as well. But I want to close the show today by challenging human presuppositions. Uh, you know, one of the tasks of the apologist is to understand the arguments of one's opposition. And David Hume uh, has perhaps had a greater influence on the naturalist worldview than perhaps any other philosopher. Uh, they provide, he and Anthony Flew, at least the early Anthony Flew, provide astute arguments against the possibility of the uh, miraculous. But perhaps the most challenging is the issue behind how to, def to define and defend an, a miracle in the first place. Uh, David Hume writes that a miracle is a violation of the laws of nature and, and as a firm and unalterable experience has established these laws, the proof against a miracle from the very nature of the fact uh, is as entire as any argument from experience uh, can possibly be imagined. Uh, Hume continues by claiming that no miracle is sufficient to establish a miracle, or no testimony is sufficient to establish a miracle, unless a testimony be of such kind that its falsehood would be more miraculous, which, let me say, is the case for the resurrection. Uh, all of the arguments given against the resurrection of Christ Jesus would require an even greater miracle than that of resurrection. For instance, one such argument is that Jesus merely passed out on the cross. It's called the swoon theory. That he merely passed out, was placed in this cold, damp tomb, and then on the third day... Uh, pushed his way out of the tomb, uh, and, and everyone believed that he, uh, or he appeared to be resurrected. This is ridiculous. Let me tell you why. Obviously, this assumes naturalistic uh, presuppositions that a miracle couldn't take place. Uh, that's where the swoon theory finds its origin. But, but think about this. You have had a man who's been beaten, uh, who's been scourged to, to the, almost to the point of death, He's been crucified by having nails piercing his wrists and his feet. He has had a spear thrust in his side and left there for a period of time before being taken down, placed in a cold, damp tomb with what I have been told would be about 100 pounds of uh, aloes and... Uh, and herbs and things of this nature, uh, as he is embalmed in this in this uh, <laughs> this uh, grave clothing. Uh, so not only must he recover from his wounds, he must escape somehow this this tightly wound grave cloth, 
through a hundred pounds of aloes and myrrh, stand up, still in a weakened state, have enough strength and energy to push uh, several hundred, if not thousand pound boulder out of the way so that he can walk out of the tomb. And then um, imagine what he would even look like if that was even possible. I mean, that would require a greater miracle, it seems, than it would to say that God raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, of course, if you allow for the existence of God, any miracle is possible, if not probable, in a world governed by God. But Hume argues that since the laws of nature are so established and a miracle is a violation of such laws, then no amount of human testimony could override the commonly held laws known by every person. Here's the problem. Uh, and, and here's the problem. Hume uh, makes a presupposition... In other words, what he is doing is he is saying that because he doesn't believe in God, then no miracle could ever be possible. But he makes a huge assumption in the first step because if the moment you say that God could be a possibility or that God could exist, then you open the doors in expressing and understanding that miracles are at least possible that it is at least possible for something miraculous to take place. So how might one answer such a claim? Well, first, it should be newly noted that Hume is operating from a naturalistic presupposition, as I already mentioned. Hume does not believe that God exists, and or at least may not exist, thereby excluding any possibility that God could engage in the natural world. Thus, here again... Hume's argument is guilty of anti-supernatural bias or anti-supernaturalism. Uh, again, the moment you show and demonstrate that the existence of God is beyond reasonable doubt, then Hume's own presuppositions begin to fail and falter. They collapse. The foundation of Humean thought begins to collapse the very moment that you show that the possibility of God is possible, if not probable, which I would say it'd be highly probable on, on, the, on the degree, I believe, uh, that the necessity of God's existence makes it very certain uh, in my opinion, but that's just my opinion. But by Hume's own reasoning, he demands that uh, the need for objective truth, which essentially demands for an objective reality, which the ultimate objective reality would be God. Frank Turek, I think, makes the argument that all debates presuppose that an objective truth exists outside the mind of each debater. He goes on to say, each debater is trying to show that his claims are closer to that objective truth than his opponent. Every truth claim, whether it's God exists or God doesn't exist, requires unchangeable laws of logic. And the problem with that for the naturalist or for the atheist is for you to have unchangeable laws of logic, then you must have an unchangeable lawgiver of logic. So Hume seeks to avoid the implications of the divine by dismissing the miraculous. In essence, Hume pleads for objective truth, which in turn pleads for an eternal objective mind. So, it's, so Hume's foundational presupposition is really self-defeating at its core. Secondly, uh, what if the superior claim gives greater assurance to the viability of the certain miraculous event rather than a naturalist 
explanation. Again, I go back to the resurrection of Christ. Hume argues that one cannot accept the testimony of any number of people to assume the validity of a miraculous event. Well, first of all, we need to ask the question, turn that around well, and ask, well then why should we accept the testimony of David Hume? If you cannot accept the um, testimony of any person or any number of people to assume the validity of a miraculous event, how could you assume the testimony of one who was dismissing a miraculous event? What if it were? What if he were to hear? What if someone were to go back in a time machine and and were to talk to David Hume and tell him that in the 1960s, uh, humanity propelled human beings to the surface of the moon? It may seem improbable that such an occurrence could happen, but what if several individuals claim to have seen this particular man, Neil Armstrong, walking on the surface of the moon? It may seem fantastic, but Hume would most likely agree that such an occurrence took place because of the overwhelming testimony of those who witnessed the event. Why then should it be any different for the miraculous unless Hume presupposes that God could not exist? You know, I'm an avid weightlifter. I could lift a bar all day long. But if one denies my existence, it would seem preposterous that such a bar could move on its own. It seems preposterous until you understand that there is someone moving the bar. So there again, the miraculous doesn't seem improbable once you acknowledge the possibility of God's existence. And if there is sufficient historical evidence which demonstrates that Jesus of Nazareth really did walk out of that tomb on the first Easter Sunday, then one must conclude that a miracle took place. If a miracle took place, then one must concede the existence of a divine being. And it must be remembered that, as Gary Habermas said in in a lecture, history is a friend of science. So for Hume, it appears that his issue is more of an anti-supernatural presupposition rather than an openness to follow the evidence wherever it leads. As Gary Habermas would say, when uh, and he said in, this, in his uh, video, when I talk about evidence for miracles, I talk about different kinds. Evidence exists for the miraculous and for the resurrection of Christ. And so that being the case... Hume's anti-supernatural presuppositions begin to crack at its foundation. So then a person must ask themselves if there is if there are problems or in other words if you could say that God could exist you don't even have to say that God does exist if you could say that God could possibly exist then the core of Humean uh, anti-supernaturalism, or naturalism, if you want to call it that, begins to crack and crumble. The whole thing falls under the weight of an antagonistic presupposition against the existence of God. So what this tells us is, as Gary Habermas said, and by the way, let me just add this very important truth. Gary Habermas said in another video in the course on miracles at Liberty University that he was talking with Craig Keener. And many people want to know, are there reasons for believing in the miraculous? Gary Habermas says that Craig Keener told him that in his investigation for the miraculous, which was documented in his book, two-volume work called Miracles, 
that he came across over 100 million cases of the miraculous. So Gary Habermas says that this leads us to believe that we are in a supernatural world. If you open the door of the possibility of God's existence, then naturalism begins to crumble. And there are even atheists, or excuse me, agnostics, who are acknowledging this fact, such as Thomas Nagel, who writes in his, uh, who, his, uh, who wrote a book entitled Mind and Cosmos, why neo-Darwinianism is most certainly false, or naturalism, I guess you should say, uh, is uh, most certainly false. Beloved, we live in a supernatural world where the miraculous is possible. And so this should give us great comfort as we head into the Thanksgiving holidays in knowing that we serve a God who is all-powerful, who is all-wise, and who is all-loving. And in the end, as we mentioned at the, at the uh, uh, forefront of this show, in the end, he is going to work out all things for good. So this Thanksgiving holiday, enjoy your time with your family and friends, and be sure to give thanks to the one who has made all of the blessings of life possible which is in fact God Almighty. May God richly bless you this Thanksgiving holiday, and remember, the truth shall set you free. This has been Redeeming Truth Radio, and this is Pastor Brian Chilton. God bless. Please stay tuned for the One Minute Apologist as uh, Bobby Conway interviews Norman Geisler. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. Apologist. We interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. Dr. Geyser, one thing that seems inescapable uh, when we read the Bible is the fact that there are miracles that we see in the scriptures. Yet in today's scientific age, many people will say, you know, there's no such thing as miracles. That's the question I'd like to ask you. Are miracles possible? Well, C.S. Lewis in his book, Miracles, which is a good book to read on the topic, said, if God, then miracles. That's the bargain. Because if a God who can act exists, then there can be acts of God. If a supernatural being exists, then there can be supernatural acts. It just follows logically. So if the theistic God, if the God of Genesis 1-1 exists, who created the universe, and look at all the evidence we have that the universe had a beginning. The scientists are just falling over each other, showing uh, you know the Big Bang and expanding universe and Einstein's general theory of relativity, and all those arguments that show that at one time there was no time, no space, and no matter, and bang, we have the whole universe. If you can believe in the Big Bang, or if you can believe that life came spontaneously from non-life, which evolutionists and naturalists do. You already believe in miracles. Mm. And if the big miracle can occur, creating something from nothing, the little miracles can occur. No problem in turning water into wine if you can make water out of nothing. You know, No problem multiplying loaves if you can make a loaf of bread out of nothing. So if the first verse of the Bible is true, every other verse is believable. Okay, round 
two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.